All right, so today I have the absolute pleasure of having the wonderful Pepper Basham on my podcast. Welcome, Pepper. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get to talk with you today. I am so excited to have you here. I have real, I really um, have enjoyed your books. Um, so how do you classify what you write and how many books do you have? <laughs> Wait, that's a great question. I don't really know the answer to that question. Um, so I know the answer of how many books I have, but how I classify them okay. might be a little strange. Um, I have currently 14 books published. I had my first book published in 2015, April 2015. And um, my 14th book just was published the 1st of October. So um, that's where I am as far as numbers. Uh, as far as categories, it's been really interesting because I um, usually refer to myself as writing contemporary and historical romance. I think if you just say romance, you got me covered. But um, I've had a couple of, of people uh, say something about how my romance stories are not typical romance stories in the fact that the guy and the girl get together before the end and you get mm -hmm. to see their relationship happen and then, you know, something happens, you know, um, that might pull them apart or put that relationship in jeopardy or something like that. And what a couple of people have said is that usually romance stories are you wonder if they're going to get together all the way through the story. Mm -hmm. And mine don't actually always do that. So I mm -hmm. actually like to watch the relationship happen um, and see those dynamics and then you know, call some kind of horrible tragedy to happen that pulls them apart. <laughs> well, I don't know what that says about me. But anyway, <laughs> so historical and contemporary romance is my usual thing. And, uh -huh. then, um, and then I just had this book come out in October, which is my first full-length novel of historical romantic suspense. Um, and so I'm not usually a suspense writer. That was a first time, um, unless you've read my novella, Facade, it has some suspense in it, but it's a novella, mm -hmm. so it was a lot shorter. So that, if that answered your question. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes, I did read The Red Ribbon, and I thought you handled the suspense really good. Like, definitely by the time that, that built to that, I really enjoyed how you pulled that all together with the history and... Yeah, I couldn't wait to see what happened. I was definitely flipping. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you liked it. Oh, good. yes. Oh, yes. Um, so what would be your favorite time to time period to oh, yeah. write in? Well, I mean, if you take out contemporary and you're looking just at the historical world, okay? Okay, yeah. I love writing contemporary mm -hmm. uh, because it just feels different and there's some things you can do with contemporary that you can't necessarily do with historical because of time period. Yeah. And my favorite time period to write in besides contemporary is early 1900s. Mm -hmm. I love early 1900s. Anything, maybe even late 1800s to like 1920. I stay right in there about 30 or 40 years, no more than that. And I love it because the world is changing. The fashion is awesome. Uh, there's also throwing a war. Um, and so you've got all this stuff happening that's really engaging, but also um, you can make the characters show how they're shifting and changing just like the environment around them is. So it's really a neat time period, I think for me. And there's still running water and toilets and <laughs> things like that that make me feel important make me feel comfortable right <laughs> I like the idea of running water I'm at the latch yeah. and I know what it's like to have it and so I'm like yes yeah, running water <laughs> okay 
a construction company, I, I like in a family, we have not had running water sometimes. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so, yeah, definitely important uh, things there. It, it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm kind of newer to that time period. You know, I was either, you know, your Westerns or contemporary. So I'm kind of new to that time period. Yeah. Being, and there, uh, there's some awesome authors who write in that time period. Rosanna White is amazing. Anything she touches turns to gold. Um, uh, Janelle Stielinski, I can't say her last name. I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> but I love you, Janelle, if you listen to this. Um, she has a new book coming out in December, I think it is, that mm -hmm. looks phenomenal. But she has written a couple of books in the uh, World War One era. And she is a fantastic author for that historical detail and things like that. Mm -hmm. An adventure, you know? Yes. I loved her adventure um, vibe in like The Socialite and The mm -hmm. Songbird and The Spy. Those are the only two I've read. I feel like I have, yeah. The next one are definitely on my list because I love how she has that excitement. Isn't it called Among the Ruins? I think it's called Among the Ruins. It looks yes. like the yes. Oh, definitely. Definitely on the list. So do you have a favorite... Um, couple that you have written no no I have okay a lot of favorite couples that I've written. Okay. <laughs> I can't pick one I mean I like them for different reasons mm -hmm. um, like right now um a, a most storied romance is reading the thorn keeper for their book club for this month oh and um I love that couple and it was my second book that was ever published and sometimes when you reread stuff you've written you're kind of wincing because you're like oh ooh, that, I could have done better with that and um and, but I love the heart of the story still which mm -hmm. is nice and I love the way the two the, the heroine was a um is like a redeemed a, bro, uh, a redeemed um outcast rude all these sorts of things and she's been redeemed and um, you get to still see that character from book one where she was kind of roguish herself, mm. redeemed now, but she's still the same Catherine just now with the, a, a Christian worldview instead of a non-Christian worldview. And so I loved doing that shift and still seeing, because Christ gives us our personalities for a reason. Mm -hmm. So even when he redeems us, we're still us just with a heavenly view, right? Mm. And so it was really neat to get to still have the core of who she was and have somebody who's so good and wholesome fall in love with her and she doesn't think she's good enough so oh. I, love, I yeah I love that couple I love Wes and Isley I think might be right up there at the very top because they're so stinking funny and um <laughs> the book that I have coming out next fall with Barber is called uh the mistletoe countess that oh. couple that couple is so funny I love it I love writing humor it's so much like I, I I like want a time machine now because, <laughs> like when, because when you release that title mistletoe countess I'm like yes I'm with pepper basham like that's gonna be awesome isn't that cover like the are you that title like the best I love oh, the title so much that's perfect and absolutely heroine, perfect the heroine for that story is this funny um, she thinks she's in a novel, which she is, which is ironic, but she, she reads all the time and she thinks she's a detective that can solve the world's problems. <laughs> and, she, and so she, 
give you a little bit about the story. She she's the second born daughter of an of an American uh, of new money, uh, a department store tycoon. So okay. she's been allowed to be a wallflower, and her sister's been raised to marry a, a, a aristocrat, an English okay. But what happens is something happens in the story in the very beginning that she has to marry the aristocrat instead and she's not been trained for it. So oh no! She automatically is thinking she's going to Thornfield Hall in Bronte and she's going to find some mystery to, uh, you, know, you know, she's certain that the guy she's married has a wife in the attic. <laughs> you know, so there's all these fun things that happen with her personality that was just such a delight to write. And so... I can't wait to introduce people to her. Like that that sounds like absolutely fantastic. Also it's like as when you're when you're a reader and you read about other readers there's just something about that because it's like I understand this person. <laughs> I may not understand the 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 like the beauty queen supermodel, but I understand this writer. Right? Right. Like, yes. people who aren't there too. <laughs> or makeup stories like of the like slightly abandoned house on your street and you're like what is in there <laughs> Wait, or or after the story's finished you think of what's going to happen next with this couple absolutely i had do not know how many epilogues i have mentally written <laughs> <laughs> it's so true we do it it is oh my goodness well that is very exciting i'm so excited <laughs> oh like is like, what is your biggest challenge in writing? Like, right now, I don't want to wait. <laughs> What's your biggest challenge? <laughs> biggest challenge in reading would be waiting for the next book. Right. Yes. <laughs> What's um, your biggest challenge in writing? Okay. So there are, there are actually several ones, and I don't know if I can rank them. Um, uh, there, There's just the, um, sometimes not having enough time to write all the stories, because I mm. have a lot in my head, and they're the ones you have to write because they're under contract. And then the mm. ones you really want to write because they're they're the ones that are right now bubbling and brewing in your head. And so making, turning those emotions off to go to something else is hard. Um, yeah. So, so that was, that might be the top challenge. Like for example, um, when COVID started, all the COVID stuff started, um, I started writing this novel for fun. And all it is, is just this funny story that'll come out hopefully someday. But I had to stop in the middle of writing it and the, all the juices were still flowing. Like, oh, no. I had to stop in the middle of writing it to go to a contracted book, right? Mm. So I've just gotten to come back to it and I'm waiting for the juices. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, bring it. <laughs> and so that's been kind of hard. Um, I think um, I think that might be the hardest is, is that, and also self-critique. The self-critique, mm. you can't, I can't turn it off. The comparison game, I really try to keep my head um, mm. focused on, okay, the Lord's given me this story with this gift and I'm supposed to write this one and, and whatever it turns out to be, if I'm doing it with the right intention and the right desire um, mm -hmm. and skill, then that's where God will put it in place where it needs to be for the right readers. And, and I can't compare myself even though that's really hard because I read I'm a reader yeah and, um I read other people's books that are phenomenal <laughs> so they're going oh I don't know and so um so it's hard to um to keep that voice 
um, from being louder than the voice that's saying, you're doing what I want you to do. You're doing what I mm-hmm. want you to do um, for my glory and not for anybody else's, for mine. Mm-hmm. For God's yeah. Name, you know, and, and I mean, so- and yeah, it, it's, it's such an art form. And I mean, just from like my personal, I'm such a mood reader. There's times I want, I want funny. I want something that I can just relax, read and, and laugh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then there's sometimes I want to be scared (laughs) and in suspense and there's books for that. You know, it's like, I'll let you get the scary ones. I don't have any desire to read the scary scary is very rare. I'm like more suspense, not completely scared, but okay. I can feel that a little bit. Better. That's since I wrote one, but I'll have to say, scared for what will happen, not like too scary. <laughs> right, not where you're hearing the music in the background and you're waiting for somebody to walk into your room and kill you. No, no. <laughs> I'll tell you, I thought I would need to see a chiropractor after I finished reading the writing the red ribbon. That was <laughs> like the last three four five chapters I, I would get up from my computer after writing and I'd be like I can't move my neck <laughs> I was so sad so I, I messaged Lynn Bla- uh, Higgins Blackbird Lynn Blackbird Higgins mm-hmm. last name's right and um I said do you do you have to see a chiropractor <laughs> because I feel like that might be something that you would have to do with writing these kind of books and she said man I totally get what you're talking about and I was like okay that's normal then it's normal not to be able to walk okay (laughs) oh my goodness and then oh wow I okay I did not put into perspective because I always thought oh well the author knows everything that's going on I didn't think of the mood that you're in this is another thing readers don't fully appreciate that you guys scare yourself to entertain us (laughs) And not only that, I mean, when we're writing, we are inside the character's heads, right? Mm, mm-hmm. We have to describe it so you are inside the character's heads. So yeah. we have to feel it all, and we have to feel every bit of it, and we have to see every bit of it, and we get to see things nobody else is, would, that we don't even write about. And so yeah. by the end, you're contorting your body <laughs> to be intense all over. I don't know. It was a new experience. Usually I'm like, I, I'm just laughing or doing cool romantic scenes or whatever. And so yeah. I was like, whoa, that was a trip, man. <laughs> wow. Well, it was like definitely as soon as I saw your name on the True Colors, I am like, I'm going to read that book because it was like, if Pepper Basham writes it, I want to read it. That's so sweet. I know I've had a few, I've had a few reviewers and there have not been very many, but there have been a few reviewers who are disappointed in it. And that's okay, because everybody has a, a certain stories and expectations mm-hmm. they go into when they're reading stories. But they went into it with the idea that it's going to be similar, a lot similar to some of the others in the series, which are very heavy suspense and light romance. And, yes. and I'm a romance writer. That's, that's so, why I wanted the Red Ribbon. <laughs> I was like, you know... It's gonna have to have a lot of romance. I don't care if people have to die too, but it's gonna have, to have a lot of romance. So... <laughs> oh my goodness, that yes, no, that was exactly what I wanted for it delivered because it's like you needed something a little bit light. I th- I feel like I was always picking the one that was really really heavy, and I'm like, okay, but there's a pep- there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's a pepper basham in this series. <laughs> 
<laughs> Even if she had to go to the doctor afterwards. Oh, that is so fun. And um, so, and you write a lot of, um, well, a few in the um, Appalachian setting. And this pl- took place close to your like hometown. How is that writing this where kind of like the setting where you live yeah okay so that was really interesting but first to the first part of your question I do love to write in Appalachia I like to celebrate the culture that I grew up in um Mm -hmm. which is which is a diminishing culture actually and um and so like the Mitchell's Crossroads series is in Appalachia the Pleasant the Pleasant Gap series is called Britalachian romances so they take place in England and in Appalachia mm-hmm. um, Anglophile and um and so then you have Laurel's Dream that you mentioned earlier that is an yeah. Appalachian now we have the Red Ribbon and the Red Ribbon actually like you said was uh took place in my home in my home county okay and so what was a little uh, different in writing it than my usual stories that are in fictional places <laughs> um, in Appalachia is that um, my parents and all my whole family still live in that county. Mm. Um, and because deep, there are deep um, held convictions about this certain tragedy that happened in mm. my county. So people still have sides that they are on even a hundred years later. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so um, writing it, I wanted to uh, be true to the story, but also be um, careful of picking a side mm-hmm. um, because there's, I mean, there's history there, but there's also still a lot of unknowns about mm-hmm. what really happened. And so my parents who still have to live there, I didn't want them <laughs> to get in trouble <clears throat> from me. Mm-hmm. I that would hurt anyone but I also didn't want to take away the truth of what really happened so that was there was a fine line so that's when you get uh in that story the fictional people and Mm -hmm. then so I could create a real bad guy um and not just use the people who were real because no one no one was a hero no one was a villain really in the true story they were just a bunch of broken people who made some really poor decisions at that time for their own convicted reasons. Um, some yeah. were protecting family. Some thought they, plenty of them thought they were right. Um, others, you know, so I don't know that there you could really pinpoint the one villain in the true story. So I think that was the hardest thing was honoring that uncertainty and, yeah. um, and still making the story true well I think yeah like I mean with the with the true crime where you have it it, you can't fudge the facts you know it's it's not like that fictional world that you have the clear-cut ending and I thought I really appreciated the author's note that you put in that how explaining you know why that's just like you know this is a true event you know it may not end like fiction usually does but Mm -hmm. This is what really happened. And I feel like in story format, you can, I remember things easier and it's, it's more, it's, it's easier to remember. And 
I don't know, it, it brings it to life, I think, in a yeah. different way. Well, I mean, again, we, if we go back to the Bible, Jesus used stories to make an impact in people's hearts and their minds. So, mm -hmm. and, and as a therapist, as a speech language pathologist working with kids, I use stories all the time for therapy mm -hmm. because we live through story. We remember things better through story. We experience things through story. And I think that's why, um, why readers love reading because they get to experience and we hold on to it in our heads for longer that way. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So what do you feel is something in the Appalachian culture that isn't, you know, it's like I had never read anything about this setting until I read your books. And so, you know, what do you feel is misrepresented or, or underrepresented in this culture? Yeah. Um, so um, I think it's still true that people automatically assume that in the Appalachian culture, um, people are not intelligent, that they are unlearned, um, that you're, you're going to have to, I don't know, dumb down what you say, how you say it, or people won't be refined or won't be I don't know. I mean, that's what I've come in contact with. A lot of people who meet me um, and learn that I'm from Appalachia will say, oh, I never would have expected you to be from Appalachia. Well, how do you respond to that? I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, um, why? What does that mean? Um, so, so I think um, that's still a mindset that people have when they mm -hmm. speak of the Appalachian Mountains. And in some cases, I mean, lots of mindsets are based on some kind of fact. Mm -hmm. And and so, the truth of the matter is is that there is a there is was and is a, a lot of illiteracy, uh, not a lot as much schooling as there you know could have been in other places. Lots of poverty, lots mm -hmm. and lots of poverty, and all that's very true. Um, but there's also different kinds of smarts, and mm -hmm. there were lots of innovative, brilliant minds in Appalachia, who who were smart in the way they handled their lives or invented things or learned music or mm -hmm. created crafts or developed ways to make these beautiful um, wood carvings. So there's a way we need to look at that kind of intelligence maybe, even though they're still smart people too. I mean, people, Yeah. I mean, I was the first, I was the first person in my family to go to college. So it's wow. really not that long ago that it was, that it was a, not normal for people to go to college from Appalachia. Wow. And so, you know, just I, I, like, I'm not young, but I'm not old either. And so it wasn't that long ago, <laughs> but, but, um, but that's still something that's new that, but I have, my grandmother was one of the smartest people I know, I knew, and mm -hmm. she barely graduated high school. Mm. Um, and she could hardly write letters that didn't have misspellings all in them to me. Um, wow. But she had this emotional, spiritual intelligence with people that touched the hearts and minds of people that other people I know who are PhDs couldn't, didn't know, don't have. So I really think it's a way we look at intelligence and a way we look at a smart, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, it's, that's 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 one of the big things is is that still is true <laughs> well you you mentioned the, the like the 
the intelligence and the wisdom. And let me just say, like, I could have a everyday calendar with the little, like, wisdom quotes that you had in, like, the red ribbon. It's like, oh, my goodness, like, I want, like, all these quotes to not forget that, like, it was just, it's so practical. It's so, it's profound in its way, but it's simple. If that makes, like, it it sounds contradictory, but it's so true. And I feel like we get, there you go. Oh, it was so good. I'm just like, I love these little nuggets of like Proverbs is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Just those. And I just feel like those were so similar to those little daily Proverbs that it's like, it's so smart, but it's so good. And it applies to everyone, you know? So that is a compliment to uh, apply that to compare that to Proverbs. That's just really nice. (laughs) Proverbs with an Appalachian accent. There we go. Yes. Yes. (laughs) In, 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 um, my mom used to have us like each read a proverb between my brothers and I um, every morning before school and how it was like, we, it would just randomly come up, but it was like those little bits of nuggets of wisdom you needed mm-hmm. to apply it to your life. And that just reminds me of it. I love <laughs> that stuff. So, um, so what kind of books do you like to read for pleasure? I have a whole stack right here beside of me that you can't see, but I'm going to, I am, <clears throat> I am a big historical fiction reader, romance, okay. fiction, historical romance reader, I'm a big romance reader, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right in front of me right now, just finished Rosanna White's Week on Wings of Devotion, which was oh. phenomenal. Okay. I have yet to, I have yet to start that series. I heard great things about the hero. So I bought Wings of the Devotion based on. I haven't read any of the other ones in that series yet. I just started with that one because okay. I, had, I had it on hand. Uh-huh. He is a great hero. I loved him. Um, Mimi Matthews is another one that I automatically buy. Um, okay. And she is outside of my historical time period. She writes earlier than that, but um, her writing style, her characters are fantastic. Um, I, <clears throat> For contemporary, I read Becky Wade um Denise Hunter mm-hmm. um so Kara uh, Isaac which is Kara okay. Isaac's my next book to read her newest one which is somewhere in my stack but I can't see it <laughs> um and I and I like to read Elizabeth Peters um if you have ever heard of her it's um oh Amelia Peabody series which are early 1900s archaeological fiction and oh they are so much fun and I've not read her well it's an older novel series okay and it's written in first person it's so much fun but um it's I'm reading it right now for research because I have an Egyptian historical romance that I would like to write on archaeology and oh that's ringing a bell you mentioned that in your group a little while ago okay now I'm it's coming back yeah like biblical (laughs) finding biblical things like indiana jones kind of stuff and so that is super fun (laughs) yes super fun and then um let's see um non-fiction wise right now i'm currently reading a book called um gentle and lowly which is a beautiful look at the character of christ and then i'm reading something called untangling emotions you can't you you can see but oh yeah and it's looking at how our emotions impact us at a spiritual level and with other people so wow you have quite the 
<laughs> going the stack. Right, is that like slow nonfiction reader? I'm a very slow nonfiction reader. I know. I I've been cheating using audiobooks to get through my nonfiction stuff just because. <laughs> again, back to the whole story business. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> And it's like, how can I, I go, I pick up the, like, oh, it's an only a 300 page nonfiction. I can breeze through this. And I'm like, month later. <laughs> months later like, six months later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's embarrassing. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. Oh, so um, what do you, so I remember the very, I'm going to like, embarrass myself and say I remember the very first review slash endorsement that I read of your books that like made me go okay I need to read a Pepper Basham and that was that she is the queen of kisses the stick your head in the freezer comment I admit it I admit it that was totally Carrie Schmidt right there that was like okay because seriously like with me I you know I, I love romance too that's you know I love love stories. And then sometimes I will like, I'm not going to say who, but there'll be a romance and there's no kiss in it. And I'm like, what's this? <laughs> so, <I'm> like, <laughs> so do you want to share about writing kissing books? Yeah. So, so it was a great, uh, great question. Cause I just before we got on here, I was writing kissing theme. Okay. <laughs> Which is never a hardship, by the way. Um, uh, so why I write kissing books or what I like about writing kissing books or? Uh, yeah, like, and, and also it's like, I feel like to me, because I'm a Pepper Fashion fan, I really feel like you do the build up, not just a lot of kissing, but it really, you've really capture, I feel, and I want read, listeners to know how you capture really like meaningful kissing scenes okay. in your thing where there is emotional connection. It's not just physical. To Yes. And it's like, I feel like that happens sometimes, but it's like, but you do it different. So kind of like, what's your method? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm trying to figure out if I have a method. That's the funny thing. Um, so here is something that's really unique, I think, about what I do when I write. Um, when I'm developing a story, I'm, I'm writing between a planner and a panster. I'm call, I call okay. myself a, I mean, a, a plotter and a panster. I call myself okay. a planner. And a planner means I have a general idea of where I'm going, but I don't know all the details of how to get there. And um, so, but I don't plot it out. Um, I write out a sequence. Um, okay. Usually I could not do that with the red ribbon because it's following a historical timeline. Mm -hmm. So it was harder to write out a sequence because you're wanting to stick to the story, the historical timeline that's already set out for you. Um, but for me, when I get to a first kiss, I'll skip ahead chapters to write a first kiss because that automatically tells me about the personalities of my main characters mm. and i'm like okay if you're going to be close enough to choose to do something this intimate with somebody um then why what why what drew you to this person uh what made you feel safe enough to be vulnerable like this um what was, was attractive about mm -hmm. the person that drew you to make that choice so when i get to that point i'll skip ahead and i'll be like okay this is where this is what's happening with them. And lots of times I'll go, when I get to the kiss again, I'll modify it because I've known them even better at that point. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but so for me, like, like you were saying, this is a very important part of the story, especially a first kiss. And, um, and so for me, um, when I'm writing those characters, it needs to be more than just something physical. It needs to be a kind of a, a lead up to a culmination of this trust, this interest, this curiosity, um, this vulnerability. Um, it's, it's showing, we've made it to this point now, I can physically show you what I've been feeling all, all along. Uh, and, and I love that each time it's unique to the characters because it's unique to real people. Um, uh, so like, for example, I don't know if you've read When You Look At Me, which is too interesting. Yes. Okay. Which is really, was really interesting to write because um, I actually wanted to write somebody with social anxiety like Henry. Mm. And, um, and so he's got little, he's got a mild case of it, but it's still, he's also introverted and how he would approach that versus how, you know, one of my characters who is like Alex Murdoch off of Phil's Crossroads series or Titus out of, uh, yeah. Stained by the book who are very different characters, but are also, but all of the guys have a very similar thread in them of being compassionate, caring men. Um, mm -hmm. So there's that similar thread, but it's just the way they handle it differently. So I don't know if that answered your question, but. Yeah, no, that does. And um, I like really feel like what you did with When You Look At Me was also like the unique pairing between the two you know, personalities, how she needed somebody like him that was going to be the way he was. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yes. that, was, that was, yes, every, every book has been a joy to read. And it was, um, and it's interesting too, how you tackle the, like the different, like the ones that build um, kind of more from friendship, take a different, you know, pacing. Again, it was like, I read about, I'm I believe it. No, the like the first so the first one that I read was Laurel's dream uh -huh. and I was like and then I had heard the you know you the stick your head in the freezer and I'm kind of like well, where is this going like I don't quite see it yet and then it happened it's like oh there it is <laughs> <laughs> because their story was such a surprise for them yes yes that was definitely yeah and that was just <laughs> yeah, you handle that. Yeah, it's, it's not a it's not a formula. It's you it was so unique. <laughs> I love it when you're in Laurel's head when all the kids <laughs> and he's like backpedaling out of the cabin. Like, God, can see this. What do I do? With this? Oh <laughs> my! She was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and in just the way you in just the way you are, that verse kiss is a doozy of a. Whew. Oh yes, <laughs> that's yes. my daughter's favorite book of mine. My eighteen-year-old daughter's favorite book of mine because yeah, he loves that first. She's just like, whoa, mom. <laughs> she goes, I want somebody to kiss me a six hundred year old tower like that. And I said, when you're twenty-five, he can. <laughs> age limit, age limit kiss. Oh my goodness, yes. Yes, that so that was the second one that I read from yours, and then I'm like, ah, I think this is the one. <laughs> and and uh, Lydia, my daughter, she just finished reading Mitchell's Crossroads: uh, Twist of Fate. Um, okay. Now she's older. She'd heard about it a lot whenever it first came mm -hmm. out. She wasn't really old enough to 
get the storyline. Uh-huh. I sent her a copy of it at college because she asked me to. And she was like texting me all these, oh my gosh, Reese Mitchell, where is Reese Mitchell, Reese Mitchell in my life right now? So I read um, Reese Mitchell, um, Reese Mitchell's book, um, <laughs> Twist of Fate, <laughs> um, last, last year, you know, in winter, we have a wood stove in our house. Do you want to know what I thought of every time they say, hey, well, it's getting cold in here, can you start a fire? And I'm like... <laughs> yeah, right? and you laugh, so. yeah and you laugh and it's just like I'm just sitting here laughing to myself because I'm the only one in my family that you know <laughs> that read it and it's like I'm sharing an inside joke <laughs> yeah, it, makes, it makes the insides a little happier at that moment yes every time I hear that phrase <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have a to that yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yes start fire okay so <laughs> So what do you have other than like the one that I want to transport in time to fall to read? Um, what do you have project wise coming up? Like Red Ribbon just released. So, but you have one in April. I do. Um, I have a, my first split time coming in April. It's called Hope Between the Pages. Um, mm -hmm. I just turned it in a month ago and um, it was a it was so interesting to get to write it. Um, again, like the historical suspense, this is the first time I've done split time, even though I like both time periods, right? I write mm -hmm. them yeah. novels usually, or they're not interwoven. Or like with, when you look at me, there's a historical subplot, but it's not a main right. part of the story. So with, when you look at me, you had this musical spy thing happening, but uh -huh. it wasn't, you know, its own story, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, so this was a little, it was a little different, um, but it takes place at the Biltmore, which is right down the road from me. Oh. So that, oh, here, as you can see, or you can see, but they can't see. I have a picture yeah. of the Biltmore right behind me. Go uh, so Google, Google it, people. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. It's, uh, uh, we call it our local castle. And, um, oh. and so um, it takes place in uh, 1915 and present day. Before mm. And... <laughs> because people were still traveling, nobody was wearing masks. And so it's not during the time of Corona, um, but- um, so Our it, fantasy it, present time. <laughs> yes, a fantasy present. Let's just say it's 2019. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, so, and we, we just don't want to tell the characters what's happening next year. <laughs> and so anyway, um, but um, there's this um, maid in the Biltmore who is the library maid of the Biltmore. <laughs> And it's an upstairs downstairs romance. And mm. the current present day uh, is the great granddaughter of that woman who owns this bookshop that was passed down from her great grandmother. Ooh. And so you find out when she can't find the deed to the bookshop, she starts this search with among all these things to find it. And that's what leads to the journey of discovering her great grandmother's true story. And so um, it was just, it was such a, a sweet book. It's a bittersweet book. Um, mm. I've had a couple of people read it, you know, to try to make sure that all the things that it needs to have and it's smooth because it was the first time I'm going back and forth between each chapter is a different, you know, present, past, present, past. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they, I've had good, good things said about it. So that's good okay. in that um, they were able to accept the things that weren't all 
happy and joyful. And mm. so, so it has a bittersweet, but it's, uh, I, I loved, I loved writing the heroes. I liked writing heroines too, but I'm a big hero fan. Yeah. And so I really liked writing the two heroes and they're totally different characters. The two of them are like really the present day hero and the past hero are totally different personalities. Wow. Oh, that sounds really, yeah. really good. And then, and then there's the fall one. That's the mistletoe countess. And then I know that I just want to keep saying the title over and over. And then I know I am <laughs> currently working on going back into that uh, story that I was trying to write in March. And it's, ah. a, and it's a pistolary, a modern Ooh. day romantic comedy. <laughs> So, <laughs> because why do one genre you, when you can do 12? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, okay, well, I, well, like, to me, it's like, I, I read, like, I'm kind of thinking, like, Becky Wade's that novella that started her Bradford sisters. Mm-hmm. Like, you can, I feel like, I usually think, oh, epistolary, but you can do so much with letters. I just this year read Dear Enemy. For the very first time, you know, I and I was like, oh my goodness, the letters can give you a, you know, that you get that mental picture of even the dialogue, again, with the reader, imagining the conversations that are going on behind the letters. Oh man, that can be, I can't wait. <laughs> and I, I found it so fascinating for me because I've not written, I've written letters in books before, but not mm-hmm. so many of them, like it's the whole story. Yeah, what was really interesting was it you are intimate with that character because it's first person and it's them. Yeah, um, not like you're not intimate when you're writing third person, but there's something very like you've taken a layer off between mm-hmm. you and them even more, um, so that you're writing from that first person perspective in this very intimate way of their letters. You know. Yeah. Um, so. So uh, about four years ago now, three years ago now, my mother-in-law passed away. Oh. And um, my husband and I um, were, my husband was very much her caregiver near the end of her life because she had Alzheimer's. And um, and so one of the things that after she passed away, we were able to discover her love letters between her and her husband. Um, wow. And, you know, and she was, in, they were like 19, late 1940s, early 1950s, the letters mm. And there was something incredibly powerful and intimate and touching those and reading mm-hmm. those that you got a, a glimpse into personalities that I'd only seen her as a widow of 40 years and and a, a, an older lady and all these sorts of things and then I'm looking back on this young early 20s year old woman who's in love and and so it's a very different that the perspective you get from that kind of closeness to uh, the character is really different. Um, but in this case, it's a romantic comedy. Right. So um, you have what happens in this one is that her, uh, her older cousin, she's been raised with her three cousins like siblings because her parents died when she was 12 in a car accident. So she, her aunt and uncle took her in. And so she's been raised with these three cousins like they're her siblings. And her oldest cousin is like a mother figure. And mm. Sets her up on a matchmaking site online to because she's getting too old for anybody to want to marry her, and she's like thirty, and so and so and she's like, why did you do this? And so it's the whole emails between her and her three cousins, 
which are hilarious. Oh, and then all the matchmaking guys who are sending things like you're the woman. Oh. Like, how old are you? Twelve. And and all <laughs> so so then of course the right guy pops in, and so it becomes these emails between her and him, and then mm. and so and then you start seeing as the story moves on, you start seeing a third person, so you can get a perspective from both of them. Um, oh, but it has been so much fun to write, and just it's just very light and just. Um, it's about bookshops. Oh, throwing bookshops with that. I mean, you can't go wrong. I know, right? But anyway, now it needs, okay, it's not even out. It needs to be a movie, too. <laughs> Sorry, I haven't even finished it. And it's, and I, I, you know, I'm like wanting to finish it so badly, but I've got to get back into the, the vibe of it. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, just, I just got back into it last week because I turned in everything for Hope Between the Pages. That's due in April. Okay. Coming out in April. And um, so now I'm, I'm kind of getting back into it for the next, I've given myself three weeks, but then I have to move on to the Christmas novella, that's the Christmas novel, uh, The Mistletoe Countess, so I can't wait. Oh, wow. That, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 the, like, yeah. Okay. I'll have, you, I'll have to send you the first chapter just so you can tell me what you think. Yes, please. <laughs> I will, I will. I will. I'll oh. I'll send you the first chapter of the Mistletoe Countess too. Oh yes, that is going to be so awesome, so wonderful. Oh, and um, like listeners, if you want to, so you also have um of the Facebook group, Blame yeah. It on a Basham Book. I do, I do. Yes, definitely get onto that. I love how you that like you said, uh, Facebook is easier sometimes for to interact. Where can readers find you yeah so the best place for more interaction like you said nicole would be uh on facebook so the blame it on the basham book uh facebook group is a good place um i also am a part of a most storied romance facebook group which is for readers um and so um i'm not i mean there's lots of authors engaging in mm-hmm. that on that site so it's not just me blame it on the bathroom book it's mine so it's just me engaging um and i can do what i can put all kinds of weird stuff on there and people have to watch because they signed up for it and so it's so, fun you guys it's so fun <laughs> i love to put i love i love talking with readers and i, I like to do um um, where you guys vote on stuff I mean you know from the time you've been there I like to post pictures that are not I don't share for the next few weeks so you guys can see them early mm-hmm. um as we move forward with stories I like to put sneak peeks of quotes and stuff that I'm working on because I like to get people's opinions and especially mm-hmm. people who've seen who've already read my books at least some of them and know my style and, and we'll be like, yeah, that sounds good. Or I'm trying to think of a name of a bookstore. What do you think we should name it? You know, things like that. Yeah. I, I really enjoy the engagement that that causes, but also mm-hmm. um, teams have a way of building their own communities. And I think that's important too. Yes, so definitely. That, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Pinterest. I have Pinterest boards for all of my books, um, but particularly the more recent ones, I've tried to do a little more care in organizing them. If you go back about three years, you'll get into the madness of my brain when nothing's organized, and that's what the Pinterest board looks like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that sounds that sounds great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Can't wait to see more of you. 
Thank read, you so much. read, read more from you. Let's <laughs> see more from you. We should definitely do this again. I'm all for it. You just let me know when you're ready for it. Okay, I will. Hello and welcome back to the Unending TBR podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and I am super excited because today you do not have to just hear me talking. I have a very special guest speaker. And this concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, may your TBR be unending.